Welcome into another great edition of Strong Style. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. This is our weekly venture into the world of MMA, pro wrestling, and all combat sports. Once again, this is Strong Style. Now, is this a lot later than we wanted it to be? Sure. Yeah, but it's got to be par for the course here lately, right? Right. There is a ton of stuff we're going to get into. Obviously, we will get into some 1FC action, some PFL action. Uh, We'll talk about Impact Wrestling's Rebellion, kind of the things, uh, kind of of the aftermath of that, because there is a lot. Now, welcome in. You can follow us or find this podcast. Uh, I don't know where you found it to start with. Maybe a social media link. Uh, if you found it in the, the uh, Apple iTunes store, please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Questions, comments, suggestions, we love those. If there's something we're covering that you want to hear more of, something we're not covering that you want to hear some of, or if uh, you think I talk too much about something, let me know. We do actually take those under advisement. Love running into you guys. Love, I, you guys know I will talk anything in public, but I will especially talk combat sports. Love the questions you guys come up with. Uh, I need to get you guys to send those into the show. Maybe I'll start answering some of them as best I can. But, of course, today's show has has to do with all kinds of combat sports action that happened last week. Uh, this stuff that happened this week. Still got more stuff to get into. I haven't, I haven't seen everything because there's so much going on right now. But uh, that will be, man, I'm targeting Monday. I want to get this show back on Monday. And I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight like the competitors I talk about on this show to get that done. Also, you can follow us on, let's see, on Facebook. Look up Impact Media. Either one of those pages would find it or myself. On Twitter, Team Impact Media, at the Impact 99 we'll find uh, all the links for the shows. Instagram, the Impact 99 I think I'm, practically you can find me or the show at the Impact 99 or Impact Media on almost all social media platforms. The only one that's not is TikTok, and I'm like mad hat or something, but you guys can find it. Now, I'm going to start. I'm going to go through all the wrestling. I'm going to start with WWE. We're going to go through their weekly wrestling. We're going to go through everybody else's. And then I'm going to get into combat sports because there are some things I want to talk about. And some other things are really... I want to talk about a lot, but I want to get into some stuff. All right? So, let's start with Monday Night Raw. Now, remember, this is last week. I am not going to do spoilers for this week. These, uh, anything I say or, or reference here is purely last week. And if I do reference something, it is an unintentional because I'll be honest, I can't even barely remember what happened this Monday. Not like a, not like I hit my head or nothing like that. It's just, uh, there's been so much going on, but let's start uh course. One of the big, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm going to try to avoid going match by match when I can. I'm going to talk about some of just big things that happen and why I think they're happening. Um, we all know that Drew McIntyre is going to be taking on Bobby Lashley at the upcoming pay-per-view. I think it is, is it this weekend, next weekend? I'm not real sure when it is exactly, but we all know that rematch is coming. 
I'm not real sure why, because Lashley should be able to beat him again. But so that you don't have Lashley and McIntyre just constantly going back and forth. We have MVP. We can sneak into things. MVP is a good mouthpiece and a good person. He's kind of like a poor man's Heyman. He can come out and do a lot of the dirty work and save the wear and tear on the competitors. So that little that little thing, you know, Mason T Bar have uh, kind of replaced Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin as. Uh, kind of mercenary members of the Hurt Business. Like, they're not officially in the Hurt Business, but they are the muscle. I don't know why we couldn't have Cedric and Shelton doing this, because uh, the way they split off and the way they'll eventually probably be jobbers in the tag division, I mean, they'll probably get rid of them, which is a shame, because both of them can just shot. But... Like I said, it seems like, and uh, instead of McIntyre, we know Braun's hanging around there too, and he's going to sneak into this conversation here in a minute, sneak in as much as a 350-pound gorilla can, basically in an egg factory. But either way, McIntyre, in his quest to regain the WWE Championship, in his quest to take on Bobby Lashley for said championship, uh, he's going to have to navigate around MVP. He's going. There's actually more obstacles now than there was for WrestleMania, which is crazy. Uh, he is going to have to go through T-Bar and Mace, formerly of Retribution, that... I don't know, it, it lost legs, and then it gained some, and then they split them again, and... Uh, they just they never really got a big push except for in the beginning when they were destroying things. But these are the two members they seem to be keeping around for now. The other ones will surface. They may repackage them even. But, of course, this led to a match at the end of the night that was McIntyre and Braun Strowman, who took on Mason T-Bar. McIntyre and, and Strowman beat the holy hell out of them. Ended up ripping their masks off and basically whipping them with their masks. So, by the end of Raw, we actually know what T-Bar and Mace actually look like. Now, of all the members outside of Jade, the female, of all the members of Retribution, I already knew that T-Bar is Donovan Dijak. Donovan Dijakovic, I think he was in NXT. He's Donovan. Great, great wrestler and worker. Great. He's, man, he, big guy, big worker. He's fun. Mace's a pretty big dude, too. Seems like he can work. It'd be interesting to see what he does. Sometimes when you wrestle under a mask or some sort of, I don't want to say costume, but sometimes... Through the equipment you're wearing, you wrestle differently. It's what a lot of people were afraid. They were afraid that uh, Roman Reigns, as much as he was wearing the vest all the time, that if he ever lost the vest, maybe he would lose confidence or wrestle more timid. No, he actually got a little better. It was probably weighing him down. So we'll see what happens with Mason T-Bar now that they have lost their masks. Although, I don't know, I think I like this way better of getting the mask off of them than them losing a match and having to, you know, take the mask off. So I think they should keep them as a team for now as a tandem. I think they'll eventually semi-repackage them and do something with them. But for now, they're the muscle. Um... I do know, one thing I just remembered, I do know that they did get a straight-up rematch, tag match with Braun and Drew this week. Tune in on Monday, we hope, if not Tuesday, and we'll talk more about that. But that's one of the big things going on in Raw. 
Uh, Lashley not having to come out all the time, which is nice, to confront Drew. And then now we've got the mask off of these two, like I said, which is which is going to be better going forward. They didn't need those masks. They, they didn't need the goofy costumes and get-ups. We'll, we'll see what these guys really are made of. It uh, looks like the Viking Raiders are back as they ran over the tag team jobbers that I told you Shelton and Cedric have have uh, started to become. Uh, maybe the Viking Raiders, now that everybody is, is back healthy, maybe they're going to give them a little bit of a push. They're a really good team. They always have been. They're very physical. And uh, maybe they're like the new fresh team that they push up towards top. And uh, see what you do from there. This whole storyline with Charlotte. So, Oshka and Charlotte have a match. It was actually, basically it was the main event. It should have been. It was right before the main event. But uh, Rhea Ripley happened to come down. uh, Kind of semi-interferes. Causes Charlotte to lose the match. Charlotte flips out. Attacks a referee. And gets suspended. Now, spoiler alert, it didn't hold up for very long because they had her, air quote, apologize this past Monday. And uh, she got reinstated so that she could have another match. We'll talk more about that part later. But I I don't get the Charlotte storyline. Initially, she wasn't on WrestleMania. Or she wasn't going to be her own WrestleMania because they thought she was uh, pregnant. Turns out, some glitch in the testing, their regular testing, was wrong. So then she tested for COVID or she she was on quarantine or something. So it was going to pretty much mean she missed WrestleMania. So she did. So they gave her spot to Rhea Ripley, who won the championship. Okay. And she don't have anything against Rhea Ripley. So, what's the problem here? Well, the problem here is that I think there's a lot more truth to the rift between Charlotte and the WWE than we actually think. A lot of people think it's just storyline. I think there's a little something there. You know, think Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. They playfully jab at each other in public. I think there's something more to this. I don't know that she would necessarily leave, even though she could go wherever she wanted to. She is engaged to Andrade, who is uh, back on the indie circuit. I believe he's in Mexico at the moment. They're, you know, they could kind of pair up. They could go different places because one, one or the other gets the other in the door. They're both really good. Um... I don't like I said I don't think she's going to leave WWE at least at this moment because it's WWE it's pretty much the only place she's ever been. She, she doesn't um I don't know how much she knows about grinding it out on the local scene but she should be okay cuz she's Charlotte. But it's I mean I understand wanting to take the title off Oscar. I understand wanting uh, you, you initially wanted to give it to Charlotte. You end up giving it to Rhea. It's like, okay, there's not a whole lot of difference in what you're what you're necessarily doing right there. So that's fine. But it just to to be probably the second. I no, you know what? This is the third biggest storyline on the card. It, uh, it, it could be a little stronger. And uh, they're going to have to do something to, to make it stronger. I don't know what yet. They're, they're going to have to come up with something because they don't pay me to come up with ideas. They pay somebody else. So those people can come up with some ideas. Um, what else was there? Well, uh... Humberto Carrillo has been back in the past couple weeks. He has uh, had run-ins or matches with Sheamus for the U.S. title, I believe. Uh, Humberto is a great young star that they should push. 
or that they should uh, consider building around in a, in a future environment. You know, he ain't going to be world champion. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that at this given moment, you know, get behind the kid. I look forward to see what they're going to get into with this because hopefully they do more things going forward and uh, just having this be like a one or two week kind of just blow off so that Sheamus had another opponent. But that moves us to NXT. The big things you need to know about NXT, they continue to feature LA Knight as they should. Yeah. Uh, the Dexter Loomis, Indy Hartwell, love affection. What well, I'm, I'm not in. Uh, even this week play, took kind of an interesting turn. Last week, uh, it's it's just interesting, and the way they're playing it up. My guess is the two of them are already are already dating anyway, and they just decided to put it on TV. And once again, what I am sipping on is, uh, I think this is medium roast coffee from the Butter Dutter. Our good friends at the Butter Dutter, where they have, uh, gosh, all kinds of uh, bakery confections from brownies to peanut butter pie to quiches. A quiche that you can, you can eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, all in between. Uh, they have the most amazing ice cream. They have great coffee. Uh, just uh, if you're in Carrollton or Bremen, go check them out. And like I said, I'm pretty sure Sprinkles Donuts in Villarica, right there at um, Mirror Lake area, right there near the Publix, for you local people. Pretty sure Sprinkles features some of the flavors there. So go check those out. And then while we're at it, uh, go check out our friends at Printer's Ale out in Carrollton. A couple of us are actually going to be out there probably tomorrow. It is a big birthday bash. We'll just be hanging out, but uh, we very much would love to talk sports with you guys or talk anything. You know, if you're not sure what to get your girlfriend for the anniversary, hey, we'll give you some suggestions. We'll do our best. Plus, we'll we'll take pictures, whatever you guys want. Now, also in NXT, the Grizzled Young Veterans, they keep featuring them, but they keep featuring people getting the best of them. And I don't get why. This is, this is a team, I know you really like MSK, this is a team that should have the tag titles. I, you should just, they should. MSK is going to have it. But it just, I, 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 they're, they're kind of the Shelton Cedric of this. They're, they're getting featured, but usually to uh, kind of job out somebody else. Speaking of that, you want to know how highly they speak of, of uh, or how highly they think of Zoe Stark? Well, she had a uh, a decent showing against Saray, who made her debut last week. She is the uh, uh, Asian prodigy that they signed just a couple weeks back, and uh, she's good. I, I saw her match. Now, Zoe is a good person to work with. I don't know about being a feature player, but Zoe and Saray had a really good match. Saray reminds me... I don't know who she reminds me of. She's a, she's a pretty solid wrestler, though. Uh, look forward to some other matches she's going to have. But they, they kind of paired that off. you got to have the debut at some point, and that's just uh, who they ended up putting in the debut. They were really pushing Kushida as the champion. We'll talk more about him next week. But Kushida as, as, uh, as a feature champion, that's... That's a thing. That's definitely something to do. Kushida was fantastic in Japan, especially in New Japan. Uh, they had him take on Oni Lorcan last week. They uh, they have him in a, in a, a six man tag this coming up week. But Kushida 
is so unorthodox in the way he wrestles. He Everything he does is trying to set up his finisher. It's a very throwback thing. You don't see it very often. I mean, think about it now. Yeah, your average match now, two guys get in there. Let's say one of them uses... One of them has a, uh, a Stone Cold Stunner as their finisher. The other one has the figure four. Right? So the one with the Stunner as their finisher spends the whole time doing arm locks and leg locks. That does nothing for the head. Just to help strengthen your, your move. And then the one that does the figure four, well, he does arm lo- he does wrist locks and head locks. The opposite of what he really should be doing. Why would you weaken every other part of, of somebody's body if the only part you're not targeting is what you're trying to finish them with? It's it's wrestling 101. It's it's an easy basic lesson. But it's just something they're doing. So uh, I just like that Kushida does that. He's such a throwback, such a good one. I know I'm going to hurry this along because there's a lot to get to. But uh, Kushida, definitely a reason to watch NXT every week. Um, LA Knight, another big reason. And NXT is solid from top to bottom. Because they finished up. Uh, Imperium is getting a nice run towards the top. Maybe they'll get the tag titles. They deserve them, too. That's a problem. There's As much as I don't want any more titles, there's not enough titles for the people who deserve them right now. And then they had Kyle O'Reilly beat Cam Grimes. Cam is was uh, really exceptional in this match. He uh, it's kind of cannon fodder for people because he's he's so good. He can work with a lot of different people. And Kyle O'Reilly needed to show that he can just manhandle somebody like Cam Grimes because they're trying to build Kyle into what they know he can be and what he wants to be. But he, they have to convince us that Kyle is a main eventer. I happen to know he is, but I've been watching him for years. So if you're not up on Kyle O'Reilly and the things he's done in Japan and the things he did in Ring of Honor and the things he did everywhere in the world until he got to NXT, and then he was a tag team guy, and then he occasionally had some solo matches. Now he's getting his solo due. You guys are going to see, man. His, he, he has the best strikes, probably hardest strikes on on the planet and uh he, he him and pete dunn you can throw finn in there a little bit but him and pete dunn are just out there to just beat the holy crap out of you but that was nxt uh smackdown cesaro the cesaro seth jay uso roman thing and now you can throw daniel bryan in there there's like five people all involved in this this storyline it would be different if there was an elimination chamber, but it's not. It's I, I don't I don't know where they're going with this. Either give Cesaro his due and he gets his match with Roman, or have Seth pair off with him again and get him out of the way. Jey Uso needs to kind of do his own thing. He can stick with the group, but he, he needs to kind of do his own thing. And if Brian's going to jump in the middle of Roman, let him do it, and let's get that out of the way. Um... They had Kevin Owens lose to Apollo because they're trying to make Apollo look good, and Kevin Owens is, is Teflon. It, it's losses don't stick to him. They bring back Alistair Black. They're making him into some dark storyteller. I don't know. I don't know why the guy just can't wrestle because he's that good. If he just wrestles, then great. But we got to make everybody into a Scooby-Doo villain because they don't know how to do anything else. Alex is talented. Just let him be Alex. And the tag division over there is a joke. So we will move on from that. There is, there is WWE in a nutshell. It took me 20 minutes, but there's WWE in a nutshell. Let's go to... Let's knock out everything but Impact Wrestling. That way I can go straight into their pay-per-view. Let's go AEW. We had Ricky Starks take on Hangman Adam Page. If you think Ricky Starks is uh, just a jobber, go back and watch this match. Him and Hangman might be... Let's see, what else was on the card? Uh, 
Okay, I'll give them credit. It was the... Man, any other time it'd be the top match on the car, on the on the night on the show. This was the third best match, only because of the next two I'm going to talk about. But Hangman gets the win. He moves forward. They're really pushing him. He is the number one contender right now. But but in being the number one contender, he's nowhere near Kenny Omega. As far as there's not even a remote mention of the two of them at the same time, which is kind of bizarre. I don't want to spoil too much about what happened this past week, but it adds a little bit of clarity to that. But you guys will have to wait. I'm plugging the hell out of that show on Monday. Uh, then we had Pinta El Zero Miedo, which is uh, Circle of No Fear. Pretty close to that. Have that on pretty good authority. Who took on Trent? I love that Trent Beretta or Trent, whatever his real last name is. Trent has now put a question mark on the end of his name that every time Justin now announces him, he always goes, Trent? Fantastic. This, this match, these two beat the crap out of each other. It reminded me of the old New Japan matches that Trent used to have with, other, with uh, a lot of the guys that you see in AEW in Impact Wrestling and, and things like that. But uh, these two beat the crap out of each other. I don't even remember who won. Who won was whoever watched it. Because that was probably the second best match of the night. It's amazing. Their best matches were all in the front. And then we get uh, every week, every couple weeks, it seemed like they build up a new women's challenger to take on Ukaro Shida. They're leaving out one. We're going to get to her in a minute. Because I think if anybody is going to be the one to knock out Sheeta, I think it could be this one. But they had Tay Conti, or Ty Conti, from the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. What is it? Joindarkorder.org. Yeah. When they first started, I think that I thought that group was dumb as hell. And then they just kept getting more legitimate, more legitimate, more legitimate. Adding Brody helped. Now they got Colt. They uh, they kind of get a little comical with the Hangman stuff, but uh, Dark Order of all the groups over there, they're the only ones asking if you want to join them. Keep that in mind. But uh, Conti, man, this was like her coming out party. She is, I think, Brazilian. And uh, she, man, her, her, her kicks are, have been on point. She took some risks in this match. Sheeta pushed her to the limit. It pushed Sheeta to the limit. Ultimately, Sheeta retains, but uh, 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 Ty Conti, you're in that mix for one of the top talents, women talents in AEW by far. Uh, keep it up. Your journey, I think, is just beginning, and uh, she she's fantastic. She's fantastic to watch. I, I really like the evolution we've seen out of her. But, like I said, Sheeta retains. And then out walks somebody who points to the screen, shows that uh, as of or before this match that that person was number two contender in the women's division and that Conti was number one. Well, that loss drops Conti down. Actually dropped her even further down this week. That's a whole different thing. The new number one contender is Dr. Britt Baker. Yep, the dentist. Dr. Britt Baker. Now, big Britt Baker fan. I'm a bigger than Carl Shida fan. Doesn't matter who I'm a big fan of. Don't ask. That's fine. But in this case, if you're going to tell me we're going to get Shida versus Baker... I, I want a two or three week build up to this, the way they did Thunder Rosa and Brett Baker. I don't need all the blood and guts at the end, but these two need to fight on a pay per view. 
it needs to be 12 to 15 minutes of just just beautiful symmetry that I think the two of these can do. I look forward to it. Like I said, I, I even want Rubble to kind of stay out of it. It doesn't need to be some goofy gimmick match. It needs to be these two. Gosh, they could have a couple matches, really, but it could be Iron Woman. It, could, it doesn't have to have a stipulation. Just have them completely tear the house down, and it could it could even be a main event. I would have no problem with that. Man, that's some good coffee. Um, the Pinnacle Inner Circle thing, the way they're building this up, they're going to have like a, a weird War Games like match this coming up week. We'll get into that more in next week's show. But, you know, they have JR talk to Pinnacle. They have Shivani talk to Inner Circle. Okay. It's all words right now. We want to see it, you know. Uh, they're building up QT Marshall and his group, which has a name, the Factory. I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I'm starting to like this faction-heavy booking because once I heard Matt Jackson talk about why they do it, they do it because it's easier to book people when they're in groups as opposed to being solo. Makes a lot of sense. But uh, Billy Gunn lost to QT Marshall. Good win for QT Marshall. I said I'm not going match by match. Christian had a good match with Hobbs. Looks like Christian is going to be kind of taking on Team Taz. With some different stuff, which uh, gives them all something to do. Um, I like Darby Allen. Not a big fan of the way they push him as a be-all, end-all. Or that... The fact that he walks around with Sting kind of gives him extra clout. He didn't need it. But he defended his TNT championship against Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and this was one of my favorite Darby Allen matches. And I, I would I would almost put it to, outside of when he faced like MJF and when he faced Sammy Guevara, uh, I would say Jungle Boy is probably the third best opponent as far as overall match that Darby has taken on, I thought for sure Jungle Boy was going to win a lot of times, which means they're doing a really good job. But in the end, Darby retains. Jungle Boy will go back with Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt to being Jurassic Express, one of the most fantastic trios on television. AEW, they're building up for some stuff. Just just know that. And they, they got to... They got to get to a certain point where they can where they can really push some stuff. Let's go Ring of Honor. Eli Isom took on Dak Draper. It ended up being a time limit draw. When's the last time you saw a time limit draw? Hint. Hey, outside of AEW doing one, I think maybe Jungle Boy and Darby Allen was a time limit draw actually, or TV time remaining that kind of thing. But uh, Isom and Draper is a good match. It, it was a real good match featuring two people that they don't want to push as, as main eventers yet, but they are right there in the middle of the card battling each and every week. It was a good match. Then Dalton Castle come out and kick them both square in the nuts. And uh, not only does it look like Dalton has re-signed, it looks like he's going to come back and start being his uh, goofy self, and that's that's the Dalton better for everybody. Beer City Bruiser gets a win over Joe Keyes. The only reason I talk about this match is that Dirty Ken Dixon from the Academy it seems to be pairing up with the Beer City Bruiser. Good for both, because uh, Ken Dixon is a, is a pretty solid talent coming out of the Academy there. And Beer City Bruisers, definitely somebody he should pair with, and I think it's going to go really well. Uh, then the rice, the Righteous came down, which is uh, Vita Von Starr, Dutch, and Bateman. They talked about how their leader was not there. It's true. 
Vincent. He got dinged up pretty good when he took on when uh, at at the the last pay per view event. But it looks like Bateman's going to kind of take the charge and continue uh, to push their their agenda and their train down the road. And I like that. Bateman can take control of this group for now until Vincent comes back. In fact, Bateman could lead the group anyway. That's no problem there. That would free up that would free up Vincent to do some some other stuff and go different avenues. He'd still stay in the group. He'd still be the leader for what it is, but you know imagine if Tully Blanchard had uh become the mouthpiece of the four horsemen, freeing up Rick Flair to uh, go for a U.S. title. Um, maybe him and him and Arn teamed up. You know, it it opens up other possibilities and other avenues that aren't always there when you're the mouthpiece and the leader. Then we have Violence Unlimited. I think it's way too close to Violent by Design, but it is Homicide, Tony Deppin, Chris Dickinson, and Brody King. It took on LFI, otherwise known as La Faction Ignorables. LFI, of course, wins that because they're the better group. They're the better wrestlers. I like this little group, but, you know, Tony Deppin is the fresh face, and he's kind of a wild card. Brody King is, is the winner of that group. Homicide is, is still 80% of what he used to be, and Chris Dickinson's good, just such a mixed match. I don't know why they just couldn't say these four people are going to take on those four people. It'll be a three-on-three, three, actually. But it's... uh. I don't know. Maybe they'll do something going forward. LFI, man, it, they're still one of the best factions on television. If you're not a fan of Roosh, I'm not sure we can be friends. Just joking. All right. Let's talk Impact Wrestling. Um, Was there anything on the... Now, the return of Moose to Neil beating Susan to be the number one contender. Um, Jordan Grace winning a match and uh, introducing her new tag partner, partner Rachel uh, Ellering. I guess if she's related to Paul Ellering. That's, uh, that's pretty much the main thing that happened on the show. Now let's get to the pay-per-view. Pay-per-view, quite good. Yeah, TJP versus Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin for the X Division title. This was the match you thought it would be. You get the uh, traditional wrestler and Josh. You get Ace and TJP who are innovative and, and all over the place. Josh Alexander, your new X Division champion. They still don't really have much of a direction for him since splitting him from Ethan Page because Ethan Page left and went to AEW. But Josh Alexander, man. Keep on keeping on. Doing good stuff. Violent by Design, with no Eric Young, took on James Storm, Chris Saban, Willie Mack, and Eddie Edwards in a crazy, I don't know, big multi-man match. Uh, but instead of Eric Young, who sat, who was injured, and sat in a folding chair at the top of the ramp the entire night, or the entire match, the debut of W. Morrissey, otherwise known as Big Cass from WWE. He was not only ripped, he was not only just just cut. He's really been working on his physique. But he really got featured in this match. And in getting featured in this match, he looked really good. I, don't, I, don't, I doubt he stays in Violet by design because they don't need five people in there. You don't want to, I mean, you can get rid of the Rhino, I guess. You really had to get rid of somebody. But whatever he does going forward, if they continue to kind of back him the way they did there, goodness, he could be a monster very, very soon. Look real good in the ring, real solid. Uh, Matt Cardona took on Brian Myers in the Friend versus friend, we talk about wrestling figures on a podcast matchup. They do. They know a ton about action figures and wrestling figures, and they, uh, they'll tell you which ones are worth things and which ones aren't. 
Uh, Brian Myers gets the nod in this one. As far as in Impact Wrestling, he is more established, and he needed to win more. Because Matt Cardona will be fine on his own. But uh, Myers gets the victory. Fire in Flavo. Of course, that's Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. Defended the Women's Tag Team Championship against Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering. We get new tag champs. New tag champs. Rachel Ellering and Jordan Grace. I knew somebody was going to take it off Fire and Flava. Who are actually a solid, good team. You know? Solid, good team. But we have new tag champs. So now they can kind of run through the gauntlet of all the other teams and, uh, you know, go from there. Good for them. We did a last man standing match where it was Trey Miguel versus Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan is the Teflon character over here in Impact Wrestling. He's the Teflon performer, I guess. Because he loses to Trey Miguel. They're trying to, like, show that Trey Miguel has another side than just being flip and fly and innovative. And it's like, okay, he's got a ruthless side to him. Good for him. Don't know how that really plays in because I still think he's a little small to be competing on the big level. But then again, they had Rich Swan be champion for like six months, so it is what it is. Finn Juice, of course, that's David Finley and Juice Robinson defended the tag team championships against the Good Brothers, and Finn Juice keeps the titles. Now, there's going to be a theme, and there's going to be something I'm going to bring up in a second, but I got to get there. Uh, Tennille Dashwood took on Deanna Perrazzo in the you really thought somebody was going to beat Deanna Perrazzo category. No. Uh, they're going to have to bring in somebody from the outside because she pretty much ran through the whole division kind of one and a half times. They even brought in ODB at one point. She ran over her. So, do what you got to do, I guess. And then Rich Swan came in as the Impact Wrestling Champion. Kenny Omega comes in as the AEW World Heavyweight Champion in a title versus title match. It was a good, solid match. Uh, Both were able to showcase the things they they do well. And in the end, Omega's a champ champ. He's a champion in two different wrestling organizations that are on television. I don't think that's ever happened before. But here's what I, here's the point I'm going to bring up. So, supposedly there's this big agreement between AEW, Impact Wrestling, and New Japan. Seems like Impact Wrestling is the only one that's really doing a lot of give and take, and a lot more give than take. Because uh, the tag team champions of Impact Wrestling... Finn Juice, who wrestled in New Japan. The world champion in Impact Wrestling is Kenny Omega, who wrestles in AEW. So, three of your five champions... Yeah, three of your five champions wrestle regularly in other companies. This is either the beginning of the end, if it goes south, or could be really entertaining if suddenly some Impact Wrestling guys and gals show up on AEW, if they show up in New Japan, do kind of a talent exchange. I think it could be good for all all, all the companies. Uh, and then Taylor Wilde came back, and we'll talk more about what she did this week. We'll talk more about that in next week's show as well. Now let's get to some fighting, because there was some fighting. Got one FC comes on right after AEW. What a fantastic way to end a Wednesday night! Uh, in the flyweight division, you had number five Reese McLaren take on number four uh, Yuya Wakamatsu. Wakamatsu ends up with the unanimous decision victory in that one. I'm just going to talk about the TV matches because I have no way of watching the rest of the card. Uh, unless you guys have suggestions on how I could do that. And I don't want to just look up the result and just look and go, oh, well, this happened. No, I actually saw these fights. If I talk about it here on the show, I saw the fight. Number two, 
John Lineker, who I believe used to be in the UFC, took on Troy Worthen, the unranked Troy Worthen, and uh, that kind of went into a thing where it mattered because John Lineker put on a clinic. He ended this bantamweight division match with a KO in round number one. Troy tried, and he just got caught, and it, it was the beginning of the end. Now, 1FC's last TV appearance, I believe, is was this past Wednesday. If not, they got one more next week. But they were only supposed to be on for a handful of weeks. So, uh, But I, I think it's been good. And it showed that TNT is not afraid to show other things, even though now that the Turner Networks have a lot of NHL rights, we will see what changes going forward. But 1FC, you, you got my attention. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep up. Another one that got my attention. Is the PFL and in the PFL from last week the, the one you guys are going to want to know about Anthony Pettis was debuting over there uh, against Clay Collard now Clay Collard during the pandemic decided to become basically a boxing legend he uh, he didn't get a lot of MMA fights but because uh, he was signed to PFL and he wasn't allowed to he couldn't really get out of it to do it, but he could take a lot of boxing matches. So he went out and just outboxed almost everybody he faced, practically everybody he faced. Anthony Pettis, just moving over from the UFC, gets him in the first round. Now, here's how PFL works, too. This was on ESPN2, I believe. Here's how PFL works. It is uh, a season, and then it is a tournament at the end with a million-dollar prize. And the way this works is uh, kind of like soccer and kind of like hockey to a point. Uh, if you get a win, you get three points. Based off how you win, you can get bonus points. And whoever, you know, in the division, whoever the top four, I believe, point getters are, go into the tournament, winner gets a million dollars, and more than likely a, a title or, or a title shot, or it just depends on who's in it. Well, in this case, Clay Collar just outboxed Anthony Pettis for the entirety of, of the matchup. There was a few times they they uh, they clocked each other, but it seemed like every time, if you looked away and looked back, Clay was standing over at Anthony, and Anthony was trying to uh, get off his back. So uh, Pettis, it's still got plenty of a long season to get into some stuff, but Clay called with a big win there, and uh, there was a lot more fun stuff on PFL this week that we'll get into, obviously, next week. Uh, lastly, let's get into UFC 261. I'm going to really just hit the four big fights. There were a bunch more really great fights. I implore you to go go rewatch it or go watch it again if you did not. Here are the four fights that um, are really going to set a different landscape going forward. Obviously, Raya Hall with the victory over Chris Weidman. It was a TKO round one, 17 seconds in. Now... If you didn't know any more about that fight, you would go, wow, he must have caught him with a great shot. Well, Uriah Hall threw zero strikes, made no submission attempts. Really, all he did was defend a couple punches, a couple punches, and um, and a kick. And I know what you're saying. How could you only defend a couple things and win? Well, unfortunately, if you've been under a rock and you still haven't caught on to what I'm talking about, Chris Weidman threw uh, a leg kick, and he happened to be about a half an inch, I think, higher than he really wanted to be. It was supposed to be a calf kick. Instead, it caught Uriah Hall in the knee region, not somewhere you want you want to kick somebody. Not not in a, a straight roundhouse. And it did a compound fracture right above his ankle, snapping his leg. And when he put his, he went and put weight back down on said foot, uh, the, it just all twisted up. And he was in tons of pain. Um, it was very similar. Here's the weird thing. It was very similar to when Anderson Silva, famously, infamously, kicked 
Chris Weidman, and when he checked the kick, uh, Anderson Silva's leg snapped and came through his leg the same way Weidman's did. Interesting, right? Well, the last fight Anderson Silva had, I'm pretty sure it was against Raya Hall. So the three of these guys are, are, are intertwined in this entire story that's something out of the pages of, of pro wrestling, basically. It's like, so, let, let's start from the very beginning. Let's, so Chris Weidman and, and Anderson Silva are fighting. Anderson Silva goes to kick Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman checks the kick. He catches him in the knee instead. And Anderson Silva snaps his leg. It's it's really gruesome. It's one of the most gruesome things in the UFC I've ever seen. Uh, this. So, fast forward to a couple months ago. Anderson Silva pretty much has his last fight uh, probably in the UFC against Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall beats him. Not to be outdone, Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman are fighting. Chris Weidman goes to throw a kick the same way Anderson Silva did to him. Uriah Hall checks it the same way Chris did against Anderson Silva. Similar result. Is this not crazy? Is this not crazy that these three are tied in like this? Uh, I've already seen a ton of updates from Weidman. He is doing better. He is. Uh, he has already had the surgery. He had the surgery the day after this. It was last Sunday. He is out of the hospital. He is back with his family. He is starting the road to recovery. From the way it sounds right now, if all stays at a pretty good pace and go, he wants to come back. But we don't know anything for another eight months. It's That's a nine- to 12-month injury before I think he can even really get in there and start trying to train again. So we will see. We will see what happens at that point. But got to talk about that one first. We get... The bullet, Valentina Shevchenko, who took on Jessica and Drage. We thought Jessica was, uh, you know, given the success of other people, the you know, the success of uh, Amanda Nunes against Valentina a couple years ago. A lot of people thought Andrade would have a better shot because she has similar tactics, not quite as crisp, but she has similar tactics to Nunes. Well, how about three minutes and 19 seconds into round number two? Valentina's got her hands in the air because she's won the fight. I believe they are in the straw weight division. They are just one below the two that Nunes has belts in. So what do you do with Shevchenko? I think there's still a couple other fights, a couple other people can pair her with. She will more than likely beat in similar fashion. But there are some options still at her weight class. At that point, then you've got to start seeing. you got to kind of start seeing about moving up or down or trying to pull people, maybe move some new fresh faces into the uh, into the picture because uh, the bullet is uh, is taking everybody out. Move on to probably my favorite fight: uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. Probably it's probably one of my favorite fights on this one. But Zhang Wei Li. Took on Rose, Nama Yunus, Thug Rose, and I, I just got to echo what John McCarthy and a lot of other ones said. Thug Rose, Thug Rose. She pulls off the round one TKO of Whaley, a minute and 18 seconds in. Now, initially, Whaley did was not very happy with the decision, but that Rose looked down. And then when Whaley went to deflect what she thought was going to be a low kick, it caught her right in the back, right in the side of the head, into the neck. It dropped her. She caught a couple hammer fists to the uh, face region where she did not look like she was trying to defend herself. Referee steps in, and from the time he steps in, she jumps up, but she was not all there when she jumped up. So uh, 
Uh, I think somewhere down the road we got to see that rematch. But for now, congratulations to Rose Nama Yunus. The Rose, she did it. She's the champion once again. She's the first woman in the UFC to win a title twice, win the same title twice. So that is an amazing accomplishment. And uh, Wei Li will bounce back. But uh, you got to think Joanna or some other ones, they'll line up first and then uh, give Wei Li a chance to, uh, you know, clear out the cobwebs and come back. Anytime you're knocked out in a fight or anytime you are knocked down with a stoppage like that, there's a policy in place where you have to wait either until you completely medical check the right way or, like, there's a certain wait period. It might be three or four months. If you're not completely out, sometimes it is uh, it's considered an unofficial suspension. There's different terms for it, but it's like a suspension for, like, six months where that way you, you can't try to fight until you're medically cleared. But uh, Wei Li didn't have to worry about that, but I, I still think they're going to give her a little bit of time, and then we'll see her maybe bounce back. And then Kamaru Usman, one of the three African champions in the UFC, it's just fantastic, took on Jorge Masvidal, and in a minute and two seconds, into a minute and two seconds into round number two of the welterweight championship. Jorge Masvidal is knocked out. First time in his career he is knocked out. Kamaru Usman does it again. This brings, look, is Masvidal done? No. Everybody keeps saying, oh, he's probably not going to get a title. Well, he, he, whoa, he, he just lost. And like I said, he was knocked out. So he says he still wants to fight again sometime this year. He very much took this one on the chin, for lack of a better way to say it. He very much took it took it the way he should. He said, uh, hey, he got me. He was the better fighter, but I'm not done. So, let me just bring up this real quick in the last few minutes we have on the show. Why do we keep trying to find people that we believe are going to beat Usman? Why, why are we not doing what we do with other people? And try to find quality opponents that are going to be great matchups. It's just there, there's certain there's certain there's just certain champions. It seems like all we're trying to do is find the person to beat them. We're we're guilty of that with I think we're guilty of that with uh, well with Wei Lee we were we kind of got what we asked for there. We're guilty of that with, we were guilty of that with Stipe. We're guilty of that now with uh, Amanda Nunez. I know I'm guilty of it. I keep thinking her opponent's going to beat her, and I just need to quit being stupid. Why are we constantly trying to find people to knock the champions off? Do we have anything against Usman? I don't. I think Kamaru Usman's a great fighter. Yeah, am I a bigger fan of Masvidal? Sure. I like characters, and uh, Masvidal is a character and a half. So what's next for Usman? Um, how about a little bit of time off, and then we'll see who Dana lines up for him. Why, why do we have to help them book the territory when that's their job, right? That's their job. But all in all, UFC 261 it had uh, one crazy yet – just the the crazy moment of, of what happened with uh, Hall and Weidman. You had three title fights. Obviously, the stuff they have going on this weekend, is the card as big? No. But does it need to be? No. It's, it's a lot of people filling in the gaps. We know what's happening with the belts, what's happening underneath the belts. But all in all, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys for tuning in to a, another great edition of Strong Style. We will see you guys. I'm saying Monday. I'm going to say it right now. I, we will see you guys Monday for the next episode. Go watch Combat Sports, guys. There is so much fun stuff to talk about, and I have a really cool announcement coming up next week. So, we'll see you next week. Deuces, deuces.